0: Their speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to eleven. <gasps> Most shows only go to ten. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to eleven. To eleven. This is thoughts that rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Mensmar.
1: Well, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. This is the podcast about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice squeezed into
0: about a half an hour listen we know exactly how frantic life can be and how hard it is to grab those little bits of wisdom that might be able to amp up your life so we want to do whatever we can so listen whether you are flexing in front of your mirror or you're trying to cover your bald spot or maybe you're shaving your arms we just want to be uh, the 30 minutes that you look forward to each and every week And just a quick reminder, gang, whatever format
1: you're using to listen to the show, if you like the podcast, we would love it if you would take a moment to give us a rating and share your comments and just really push it out there for everyone
0: to see. Whatever we can do to put you in the mood to do that, you just let us know we're going to do everything in our power to make that happen. Because Uh you know what it means when you hear this music. Yeah, I know what time it is. You know what time it is? I do. It's business time! Our guest today is our good friend, fellow speaker, and road warrior. Some people might call him a change evangelist or the pager wearing millennial. It is none other than the founder and CEO of iSocial Fans, Mr. Brian Fanzo. Brian, welcome to Thoughts That Rock.
2: What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Man, I got to tell you, Brian's one of my most favorite people here. I'm just following him. If you don't follow him on social media, you should. He is uh, one of the most prolific documentarians of what he does on a daily basis (laughs) that it's hard to not get wrapped up in his life. And uh, uh, he is a busy, busy man. Such an interesting background, you know, nine years with the Department of Defense and Cybersecurity. He's out now as a, as a full-time speaker on the road from conference to conference, uh, sort of really broke onto the scene uh, maybe a year or two ago with his press the damn button uh, uh, talk that just really started to, tell people how should you be telling your story right and, and and it resonated so well that it's led to him just sort of taking over the scene in the in the digital marketing space he is everywhere his uh, his new talk on digital empathy is really creating a bunch of waves uh, as to how do we you know how do we cultivate this digital empathy how do we connect innovation with emotion and uh the work that you're doing there he's a prolific podcaster i mean he's who we want to be when we grow up from mm-hmm. his fomo fans with a with a hundred episodes or so to just try this with the amazing amy landino For smack sure. talk gosh i mean the guy i don't know what do you sleep do you ever <laughs> sleep brian
2: i'm very i'm very blessed that i i my mom was worried about that my senior year of high school that i didn't sleep very much and uh, I got diagnosed ADHD at 31 and I kind of realized that was part of it and so I don't have to sleep too much but uh, part of its I love I love content creation, I love the storytelling and for me it's about uh, you know, reaching the audience where the audience prefers to consume content. So I create a lot of video, create a lot of podcasts and of course love being on stage. So uh, I'm blessed to find something that I love to do now and it, to me it, it is a little bit it is a lot of work and I, 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 those people that tell me when you do something you love, it doesn't feel like work. I, it still feels like work, but it's just work that I enjoy, so I'm okay with
0: that. <laughs> you know, it's obviously working for you, brother. I mean, Apple just named you. Just try this one of the podcasts to watch if you if you guys haven't subscribed to to any of his podcasts, you should be doing that right now. Whether it's FOMO fans, just try this Smack Talk. Um, I think you said you've got another one. You're getting ready to start here soon. Is that yeah, right? Oh my gosh!
2: <laughs> oh, it's true. I got one more. I, I got one in the works. It's uh, I, I, I did an interview show on Google Hangouts for almost three years and did. 300 plus interviews but it's been three years since i've done interviews Uh, all those podcasts are are me or my co-host and I just kind of bantering around. So I'm finally, I, I have an assistant. I have a community manager and I'm going to launch. And uh, the, the name will be announced soon, but yeah, I'll be launching an interview show very soon. So excited excited to, to take it even more. Why not? Uh, just keep, keep riding this ride.
0: I'll tell you, man, you're making us feel very, very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely. We got one show and it's like, oh man, we have to record more. We have to record more episodes. That's fine. That's fine. But we do things a little differently here, Brian, you know, versus the traditional interview style. Uh, that, you, that you hear on many podcasts. We like to get right to the point of sharing the great pieces of advice of our guests. So, straight up front here, what is your thought that rocks?
2: Thoughts that rock number, number one. All right. So, my thought that rocks uh, kind of goes along the lines of that press the damn button, but it's really just um, raise your hand faster than anyone else. Dive right in and uh, for me, it, that means a lot in my career. When when it first happened, or when I first embarked on it, I'm not sure if I realized the the implementation of it. But I think uh, in a world full of information overload and so many decisions, and the idea that we do try to be perfect, even though uh, we bo- we all know that perfection is a fairy tale. Uh, my thought that rocks is definitely you know raise your hand faster than anyone else, and uh, don't be afraid to dive in.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's such an interesting thought. Y- this idea, I think that we're, we have a culture that's obsessed with perfection, right? And so it, it can sometimes stop us from engaging if we don't think we have the perfect answer. It goes back, you know, many years ago uh, in my first band, we were we were playing a festival over in England um, that... Uh, we played for, for many, many years over there, loved it, loved going over there to play. And one of the sort of the grandfathers of Greenbelt, which is the festival name there, uh, was this guy named Pip Wilson. And Pip worked for the YMCA for many, many, many years. And um, we were sitting around the fireplace one night after the festival was over, and he started to talk to us about the idea that as a culture, we could be staring at this masterpiece painting on the wall, and if it was hanging just a little bit askew, everybody would be obsessed with going over and trying to fix <laughs> the paintings without even looking at it. They wouldn't even notice that this could be you know, a Picasso, this could be just a masterwork, and we are so obsessed that it's hanging crooked that we, we miss the beauty and the imperfection. And I think that 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 lends itself to what you're talking about is that sometimes people feel like, man, if I don't have the perfect answer, if I'm not going to have this exactly right, maybe I shouldn't raise my hand at all.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I think that also has a lot to do with schooling, right? I think in the in the, I think we we are definitely in a shift. I think for those that. Uh, you know, I am a social media guy. I'm on every single channel that exists. And I like to say that social media in 2019 and 2020 is way different than social media 2015, and 2016, 2017, uh, where it was a lot of filters, a lot of rainbows and unicorns and mm-hmm. faking it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And I think we as we as consumers are over that. We're like, OK, we, we see through all of this. Uh, we understand how to kind of dig a little deeper. We also realize that if it's if all you're sharing is the highlights and the amazing things that you do we pretty much are, are pretty sure that you have a really crappy life that you've just, you know, decided to magnify only the good things. I think the that's kind of the neat part we're moving now where consumers are demanding transparency, but I think as individuals or even as leaders or as, you know, those of us that are kind of living in this space, we were, we were always taught, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I hated that answer. I still hate that answer now. <laughs> uh, Cause I, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be. And I, and I think I'm okay not ever uh, having that. And, you know, I'm a dad of three girls. And I think for my, my daughters, I will sometimes question them and say, "Would are you more afraid to uh, raise your hand and get the answer wrong or be the person that's the fifth to answer the question? And they will always say, uh, you know, they're, they're like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to get it wrong. I would rather wait and not answer. And I think that's partially the that schooling. And For me, weirdly enough, like school was such a struggle for me. Uh, Through high school, I barely got into college. College, I loved college, other than the schooling part of college. Uh, I I was in a fraternity. I played uh, college hockey. Uh, I was also, uh, you know, uh, you know, between a fraternity, I was a computer science major and played hockey. I loved schooling. I loved the ability to kind of merge and meet with all these different people. But weirdly, school always, you know, was a little bit intimidation. It was also kind of like that idea of like, you know, am I getting laughed at for what I don't know yet? It's the weird part is we get into the real world and we always hear about all of the failures that people have had, right? Michael Jordan getting cut from the team, Oprah Winfrey telling, you know, being told that she can never be anything, you know, Steve jobs getting fired from Apple or even, you know, the different things within, you know, Elon Musk and all that stuff, you know, the, these leaders today. And so it's interesting that, you know, I think the the culture has always said the, the great ones have, have, jumped in and failed yet in schooling we kind of don't reward failure and then there's that there's that middle road and for me i think that that was such an interesting spot for me because i you know getting out of college uh, was a, was a struggle and then getting a, my first job was even more of a struggle and and kind of figuring out okay well how am i going to do this because i was really successful at leading teams you know in my fraternity i was really successful uh, playing hockey i you know i also played Uh, Baseball. I played poker as well. You know, for me, I was I was really good at these um, different you know things that I was doing because failure never scared me, and it was it was really mainly for one reason, Uh, and that main reason was that I I knew that failure was never something I would settle for. Yeah, I think you know you know yeah that's how kind of my parents raised me, and so raising my hand or throwing myself out there. Was never something that scared me, except in the classroom. <laughs> Weirdly <laughs> enough, the classroom is probably the place that scared me the most with
1: that. And you know, it's it's so great too because I, I I know you're talking about your school, you're talking about career, uh, but you could apply that concept to just about anything. And I think about, you know, your 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 background is is crazy interesting. I mean, I, I just think it's so amazing in the fact that you did raise your hand, got you to where you are now, and there's no doubt about it. And I belong to an association that's, you know, hospitality grounded. It's restaurants, hotels. It's called Chart. And one of the things I learned in my very first year is people were screaming literally at the top of their lungs, yes, I can do that. Like the whole idea was if there's an opportunity to volunteer. So you you move into this volunteerism mindset. If you just raise your hand to do anything, regardless of what it is, that will lead to you being a part of let's say the conference team and eventually you could be on the board which is a you know voted on group every single year and eventually you could become president of this association where maybe that level you'd never be able to do in let's say corporate America but you can do it with the association so I, I just love that whole idea because you get a chance to just jump right in and get cracking when you raise your hand you know it, it might not be your cup of tea but at least you get to try it out and go. Yeah, that was great, or look at the great results, or it was fulfilling, or whatever the case may be.
2: Yeah, you know, I think also for me too, I've I've learned, you know, uh, you know, it's that adage where you know, and maybe it's partially, uh, you know, I with in through my first marriage and things that were going on, I, I've always been the one that, uh, you know, to be okay with asking for forgiveness, not permission, and <laughs> yeah. and we and, and, and we hear that a lot, but you know, for me in my career, I mean, I remember the day, you know, I was. Uh, I, I got out of college, couldn't get a job, decided to work for UPS, uh, union UPS driver wearing the shorts, brown shorts, delivering packages. Uh, and I was, I'm a competitive person. They were doing a Christmas hire and they told us uh, there's 98 Christmas hires and the top three performing uh, Christmas hires will be hired on as union. So I'm a competitive person. I ended up being number two of those three, uh, got that job and was making really good money out of college. Um, and and when I tried to get into the computer field within UPS, they told me, you, you know, you might be one of the smarter guys in this space, but we're union, we're experience driven. You need seven years, we, seven years from now, I'll come back and apply, you know, jump on the truck. And to me, I, I don't play well in that area that says like, you know, Hey, you're better, but you have to follow some ridiculous structure. And I, uh, you know, I ended up being in line at a grocery store. Someone recognized my fraternity letters, um, asked me about what I did and then we talked about computers. And the funny part is they said, you know, do you know anything about cybersecurity? And I said, no. And they're like, have you heard of the word vulnerability? I said, no. And he's like, have you heard of the term remediation? I was like, no. And he's like, so here's the good news. He's like, the good news is I don't have to unlearn you on anything. <laughs> so I was like, that's a, nice, that's a nice way of putting it. And he was like, the bad, the bad news is this would be a completely you know, new learning curve. But he's like, I can get you a, a, a security clearance. And I, and I live in Northern Virginia. And if you think about this, in 2004, Northern Virginia – Really, everyone worked for the government or worked for a government contractor. That was pretty much this entire uh, beltway. Thankfully, it's changed a little bit since then. But, um, you know, I got a help desk job and I was working 6 a.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, supporting a, a software tool for the government. I got my, my security clearance and I could tell right away, like it was something that I enjoyed doing. I, I spent a lot of time doing it, but it was nothing I learned in college, nothing that you know jumped out. And, yep. and at that moment in the grocery store, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm willing to learn. And I watched a lot of videos, was doing a lot of things. But um, I, it came you know, six months into this job and it was a Friday afternoon or I think it was actually Thursday afternoon ended up being the, the day they came in. And the boss that actually saw me at the grocery store uh, came into the help desk. There was about eight of us sitting around like a big cubicle square. And he just simply said, hey, guys, I have some news for you. Um, one of the guys that runs our training department um, it, uh, has decided to leave uh, abruptly. And we're a little worried about that. So I'm curious, does anyone here? would anyone here be willing to go to Korea on Monday? And <laughs> I was the very first one that threw my hand up. And now I, I tell you, when he said that, the only thing I was thinking was free trip. And when I said that, like, the person had uh, had quit immediately, I was like, well, I'm going to throw my name in the hat. Like, with not thinking like, <laughs> oh, I need to go train a course in a foreign country in three days, and I don't have a passport and all of these other things <laughs> that go into that. Um, and he asked, he's like, do you have a passport? I was like, no, nope, but I can get one. And so I got a, a same-day passport. I spent six hours in the Washington, D.C., you know, office to get a same-day passport. I jumped on a flight. Uh, there was a 15-hour flight from – I went from D.C. to Atlanta, Atlanta to Seoul, Korea. I uh, had to jump on a high-speed train two hours south uh, and, and had never left the country before at, the, at that time. I had been to the Caribbean on cruises and things, but never really left the country. Uh, and the whole way there, I can tell you, I was learning the tool – for what I was going mean, to be training the military that we were there. And I remember thinking, and, and the weird part was like, I never thought, why the hell did I do this? I never thought, what the hell did I get myself into? I kept thinking, how am I going to do this better than anyone else that's done it to where I could be doing this kind of work instead of being the help desk guy. Like I, I really, I mean, I didn't, re- I, I, I remember the couple of the other guys on the team that were much more senior. I was the lowest on the totem pole. They were like, Brian, like what were you thinking? Like, <sighs> you realize like that course hasn't been successful. And I was like, well, I wasn't really thinking. And <laughs> my my like experience in life is that if I say I'm gonna do something and I commit to it, I do it. Like I, I I won't say I'm perfect. I won't say I always win or I'm you know. And I kind of knew that deep down. And you know, I remember every night I would I would go in the class. I was teaching active duty military members how to use this cybersecurity tool. And I would get out of class. I would run and get some really good local food. Run it back to my little uh, hotel room that I had. And I would study the curriculum to teach these guys the next day. Yeah. And it, w- it was intense, four and a half days. But on that last day, I remember this like not only a feeling of accomplishment, but I had a couple guys come up and give me a hug. I had one of the um, one of the senior members there uh, for working for the Department of Information Security uh, had come into the class on the last day. And I asked him, I was like, you know, what happened? He's like, the- everyone here has never met anyone like you in the training department. i was like, well, I'm not a trainer. And they're like, what are you? And I was like. Well, I'm a guy that likes to translate complex tech stuff into easy executable stuff. And he just like looks at me and he's like, "I'm not sure that's a job." And I was like, well, I don't I'm not sure it's a job either, but it's why the people liked me here. you know, and I kind of wrap a bow on what that happened for me was I'm a I, flight home. I landed um, in Atlanta. I had one of those international blackberries, and I remember turning my blackberry on and sure enough, an email had been uh, sent to my boss from the the head of the, the team that we were working on and said, Brian was the best trainer we've ever had. We've That's never awesome. had anybody that was that passionate, was that into it. Um, and if you want to um, add more classes or add more courses to the upcoming contract, as long as Brian's executing on them, we're in. And it was, I mean, I, I mean—I I remember reading that. I remember my boss saying like, Hey, I'll talk to you when you get in the office. And sure enough, you know, I got, I got promoted four levels above the help desk, uh, you know, and and not only that but all of a sudden i kind of made a name for that piece of it and you know within you know in the next year after that i grew a team we ended up tripling the contract the following year and i ended up making that team into a 34 person uh training team executing four courses a week every single week around the world and uh, I like to say it none of that happens. None of that experience, none of that happens if I didn't raise my hand first.
1: yeah, and to the extent that i, I know looking at your background, taking several trips, you know doing stuff with the military over in Iraq, Afghanistan, literally reporting updates up to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, you know, it, I, I just I find that amazing. and and I'm sitting here looking at Brandt right now and thinking, this guy's like seventy years old. He claims to be, you know, the millennial <laughs> keynote speaker. You know, l- look at your long, sad life that you've led. It's honestly, it's amazing, and it's um, you, you can't see this right now, Brian, but it's so ironic because Brant's actually wearing a UPS uniform right now for no
0: reason. He has nothing to do with UPS. He just he you know, he loves the brown.
2: I, I don't know what it is.
0: Brown look, Brown looks good on me, right? And so you know, I like I, it. I think it's I think it's amazing, but you know, it's funny. So. The stuff I think that that scares people mostly when when they do say yes, they do raise their hand and they go, "Yep, yep, I'm in." And then they have to go, "Well, I need to figure out what I just said yes to." You know, I have a, I have a friend, um, Alan Schaefer, who's going to actually be a, a future guest here on the on the podcast. But um, Alan and his his twin brother uh, started an organization uh, back when the internet was uh, he was told was going to be a fad. Uh, yeah. he, him and his brother started this company that had this great idea to say they were in a band and they said, we just want to put our tour dates online. That's all we want to do. And at the time it didn't exist. And, wow. and, and so they end up developing, uh, the software, it becomes tourdates.com. And, um, he ends up going out and selling this to, to, uh, this company who acquires them and his brother, uh, he says, "Look, I just sold this. I told them that we're going to be able to put all the tour dates online, and this is how it's going to work." And his brother's like, "Well, we don't, we don't actually do that." And he goes, "We do now." <laughs> <laughs> and it's this idea that sell it first, figure it out later, um, and and I think that you've proved that. You know what? If you have sort of the fortitude and the willingness to to dig in you know, it's, it's where the term winging it comes from, right? I mean, all these actors who were sort of thrown into the wings, having to learn lines of, of roles that they were just about to step on stage and play. That's exactly what you did. You, you sort of took that time while you were over there every last second you possibly could, you were learning the curriculum to turn around and
2: teach it to others. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I think that's an interesting space too, because you know, for me, you know, I, I, you know, as much as college was, you know, for me, college was great for, like I said, everything about the classroom. You know, I like to say I went to YouTube University, right? You know, I, <laughs> uh, you know, they, well, so much of what I learned, I decided, you know, hey, I can go to YouTube and learn it. And today there's online courses for everything under the sun. Yeah. And I often struggled even with the online course model because I would ask people like, well, why are you paying that money? And they're like, well, they, they put all this here. And I was like, well, you realize you can go learn all of that. Four websites, or on YouTube, or on you know listening to podcasts, and I, and I and most of the time they would say, yeah, but I gotta go do all of that, and, and I guess yeah. that's for me as part of this, like you know, I, I think faking it till you make it is done. it's yeah. Now, how do you how do you prepare the fly? And I'll say this hired for since since that day, my my, and the other cool part about that weird story of me, you know, like those employees that I was hiring, uh the first thirty of those that worked on my team were all older than I was. So like mm. I was, I was the young, you know, I was that millennial. I was that kid. Uh, it taught me so much about not only cross generational communication, but you know, how to build a team. I, I strongly believe that uh, if you're, if you're self-aware and know what you don't know, it allows you to then decide, you know, to surround yourself with people who know what you don't. Right. I think that's a yeah. weird, a weird spot for so many people. They're like, well, how did you like I was like, man, I didn't know this thing on cybersecurity, but I had someone in my network that knew that, right? Or I didn't know this person that did this. And so I think, to me, that was such a um, an element. I'm not; it wasn't really faking it. It was more like, hey, I'm willing to put in the hard work. I'm willing to put in the hours. And that, that's even a lot of what I do today. Like I, I live on the bleeding edge of emerging technology, yeah. but I, I don't claim to know everything. I don't claim to, to to fake, you know, what I do know. But I am willing to put in the time. You know, I listen as much content as I create. I listen to 12 podcasts a week uh, for my own personal consumption. And I, I even block off time in my calendar for that. And I think the, that skill that I've always said that I hired for in those first employees is the ability to roll with the punches. If you can roll with the punches, be able to throw your punch up in the sky first and then roll with the punches as change happens. I think success is, you know, is imminent and, you know, in the palm of your hand. You have to be willing to do that,
1: well, and I think you also are, are living your own motto, you're living the thought. You know, when you start thinking about putting yourself on notice by titles like change evangelist or technology evangelist, you don't have to have all the answers, but you're willing to, I, I guess, lean into that. And that's part of raising your hand faster than everyone else and figuring it out. And, and Awesomeness occurs when you do that,
2: you do. And I think that's that's kind of the fun part of today's the, the world we're in today. Like, I truly do believe. And I, and I say this on stage every time too, I, I I truly believe we're living in the greatest time in history. I don't, I think we have the ability to share our story, connect with the world without limitations. And the limitations that I, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and, you know, uh, even some of my family that are still there, they've never left the city or the state. They, their exposure to the world is, is extremely you know uh, tight knit. And for me, like my nine-year-old daughter is has Skyped with one of my friends that lives in Australia and she knows what veggie mite is. Right? Like, I mean, like, I mean, like, if, you, if, you, if you think of that, so yeah, yeah, I know it, it, they, they make it, they make it a big thing until you try it. And you're like, Oh, okay, yeah. no, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I think that's, that's part of the fun that we're, you know, the space that we're living. And I think the, the, those that have been getting away with, you know, um, you know, getting, getting away with faking and getting away with not being willing to put in the hard work. Uh, you know, renting the renting, renting the Lamborghinis and putting them on uh, on Instagram. I think those days are, are numbered. I think yeah. those people that are, are doing that, their time is coming. And it's more of those people that are willing to admit what they don't know, are willing to put in the hard work to figure out, uh, you know, how to make things work. And then ultimately are willing to kind of share that knowledge. I, I you know, part of what you said, that intro is, you know, I, cr- I create a lot of content, I, I share a lot of things, but part of it is just because, I really do think, you know, the more we share our stories and the stuff we know, the better the world is. And I feel like it's, you know, those that aren't sharing their stories, aren't putting themselves out there, they're doing a disservice to themselves and to others. And and that's just kind of been my mantra through, you know, from cybersecurity to a data center company to uh, about the last five years running my own business. It's um, the roller coaster has been, you know, not being not being afraid to throw my hand up there, not being afraid to kind of put myself out there, but also, you know, admitting when I fail and admitting when I don't know those that. That follow me on Instagram, they know that for sure. I I have zero problem on saying, "Wow, I tried this and it completely failed," or yeah. "I was thinking about doing this," or "I I put this out there and it didn't work." And I think that also, you know, adds validity to the things that I do share, which you know is probably one of the lessons I've learned along the way.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's a perfect transition because ultimately, sort of, you're talking of this shift. Uh, in culture of people being willing to be a little bit more vulnerable and not just putting forth their best life um, as, uh, as we sort of see on social media these days. But you know, it leads, it leads us to, to the second thought that we really want to share.
1: Rock, number two.
0: And, and this thought is this, and it's, if the goal is survival, then you've already lost. And, You know, when, when I, I think thinking through what you've just shared of how, as a culture, we're making this shift to being a little bit more real, um, I don't know how much more real I can get in in this example for you. Is that you know my th- those who know me know that my son, my oldest son Theo, when he was uh, twelve, uh, was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer. Um, it was a, a horrible scenario where we spent two hundred and sixty three days in the hospital um, with him battling. Uh, he you know he he pulled through, um, but it's been it's been a fight, right? I mean, he's twenty one years old now, and he's still fighting. And it's uh, it's this scenario though where people think, you know, you want to be a cancer survivor, but, but I, I I really, people who have been through it, um, that is such a limited view. And, and if they knew what survivorship looked like, they would know how bad it sucks. And, and it's like, you know, nobody thinks about what life looks like after you survive. And if the only goal is to survive, it is a sad, sad existence. We've got to move beyond survival into, into thriving. We need it to be more than what it is. It's not just about, you know, withstanding the storm. If all you're going to do is stand among the wreckage when it's done, what's the point? I mean, you've got to get to this point where you're like, uh, you know, life is meant to be more than just surviving. And, and unless you're willing to be vulnerable, unless you're willing to have some of that empathy for others and people are willing to share and say, Hey, look, I, uh, yeah, I am thrilled that I'm in remission. I am thrilled that I've survived cancer, but, but look at me, my life sucks. Hmm. Uh, it's, it is, um, it's not until people get a dose of that reality that we can start to find that empathy in those people who say, you know, uh, yeah, it does suck, but you know what? I'm going to stand with you through this until you're on the other side and we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that you can thrive in your life and not just be a survivor.
2: That, I love know? that. Yeah. Make- oh, I love that. And that's, and that's powerful. And I, you know, and being a dad of three, you know, that, you know, not only, uh, I can't imagine that from, from, from that side. And even the, the sense of, you know, uh, encourage, you know, encouraging others while also surviving. Cause I know that, you know, it's it's those around uh, are going through that you know as much and I think in the world today you know I talk a lot about change as a, you know a, a self-prescribed change evangelist and I think the rate of change today is unlike we've seen it ever before right yeah. it's everything changes so fast but I also think the change today is is the the path to allowing ourselves to change is a much easier road we're not we don't have to be as set into stone into things they do and I, I love that you brought that up as far as the goal not being survival because for me, most people ask, "How did I get? You know, how did what happens in the cybersecurity space, or how did that all uh, you get into you know marketing and, and millennial stuff now?" And I can tell you, I I got promoted uh, nine years in, and uh, you know when I when I got promoted and uh, the 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 during the you know ceremony before I actually got the actual promotion, uh, my boss at the time was like, "Brian, you're set for life." Uh, he said, mm-hmm. "You know, you are you are set. You are going to work for the government. You're the youngest." we've ever seen get this role you have a, the highest civilian clearance you could get and it rocked me to my core like it really rocked me and part of the reason was for the last two years I was I I, I had it made I was playing poker part-time <laughs> I had these great employees that traveled around the world for me I got to handpick which cities I traveled to to you know to shadow their classes um, and I think that's when I kind of first I didn't realize it then but now looking back I've also realized that like as soon as I believe I get complacent as soon as I get comfortable. I know that I'm about to get rocked and I know this is where I'm not at my best. And I ended up, you know, uh, you know, pretty much leaving within the next month, we, we lost one of the bigger contracts and, uh, they asked me what I wanted to do. And I was like, I want to get out of the government. I want to completely change. Uh, and I want to give up my security clearance against everyone's recommendations, but that's part of, it to your point was I didn't, I knew that I could survive and make really, really good money. And I was already, I, I was already making more money than I, you know, I have on my own, uh, way back then and I was, you know, had the clearance, I had the government job. I mean, cybersecurity, it's right now that the, the career is taking off. I, I left there uh, seven years ago. Um, but for me, that's part of it what it was. And, it, and the other underlying piece of it was, I remember telling myself, like, if I want to impact the world, if I want to make a difference, I need to give myself opportunities to have different experiences, as well as reach different people. I, can't, I didn't want to be siloed. And I think that also happens in that survival mode where we start living for the day. And I think as we kind of get get to that end point or that point where we we've been working towards the question becomes, okay, well, what do I know? And how big of, you know, how big is my impact? I'm, I call myself, you know, uh, I'm team no niche because I, I like to talk about a lot of things and I don't yeah. really have one of those, uh, a niche. But part of that for me is like, I know that job security for me is a, is a no brainer. I can learn and pick up whatever I want versus someone that is so honed into one thing and just trying to make it you know last as long as they can on that one thing. And so I, I think that that's a great lesson across the board. And it's been one for me, you know, uh, that I, I, I love and I, I embrace. And I think it's, uh, it's allows in this world full of change to kind of roll with those punches as, as it kind of linked it uh, before.
0: Yeah. I, I hope that this sort of shift in people getting real and, and showing, you know, what life actually looks like gives people the strength to know they're not alone. Right. I mean, uh, ultimately if you have a job that you are working for the sole purpose of surviving, what what a uh, what existence is that? I mean, that to me is like, so are you living for for Friday night so that you can have two days worth of happiness in your life before you go back to some soul sucking job that <laughs> that you're surviving. I just you know I I know that for a long time we you know when we, we hear the word survivor, obviously it's because someone has been through something and they've gotten to the other side. And that's, that is what it is, right? It's commendable. And it's what we want to, uh, to sort of look at and honor in all those, all those instances, but it can't stop at being a survivor. I mean, if you want to grow, if you want to have impact, I mean that, that for you just brought up one of my core values, right? And so I can't have the impact I want if I'm only going to be a survivor. I've got to be somebody who wants to push it forward. I've got to be somebody who wants to walk away knowing that the legacy that I leave or the impact that I've had is transformational. And and being a survivor doesn't mean that you're transformational. It just means that you survived something horrible. And and we want people to say, you know what? You were meant for more. You were meant for more than being a survivor. You were meant for more than living a survivor life. Uh, You've got to get to the other side of that and know that you can move forward. You don't move on, but you can move forward. And in that moving forward, you are going to find that impact and that meaning and that purpose that that we so desperately uh, desire that it allows us to say, I'm thriving now. I'm thriving. I went through hell. I got to the other side, but I didn't get to the other side and take a seat and go, wow, look at that. I got to this side and went, thank God I I passed that. But man, I got to keep moving forward because I want to get as far away from this shit as I possibly can because it is not fun. And I I just, I, I hope that that sort of empathetic nature um, that we're starting to see the, the vulnerability that's starting to come through, even on social media, um, when people are willing to get real, that it has a, a such a positive effect for others to say you're not alone and, and you were meant for more than just being a survivor. Yeah, because that's how people fall into that victim
1: mentality, right? Yeah. And maybe just connecting both your thought and, and sort of what Brian was talking about you know, you become apathetic and, and that's where it starts to set in. Right. And I know if you're, if you're trying to avoid this sort of victim mentality and, and just want sort to of sit back on your laurels or, or like Brian, like you were saying, you know, somebody says you've made it and you just, you sort of sit back and go, look how great I am. You're only awesome until you're not right. And somebody's right. going to come along and, and do the same thing you're doing, maybe at a cheaper price across the street or whatever it is. I can point to a date on the calendar when, you know, businesses start to go out of business because they have sort of sat back and said, yeah, we've made it to the promised land and they're nowhere near that. And it was just, it was reminding me in a in a former life, I was a licensed facilitator for Stephen Covey, his, uh, you know, seven habits of highly effective oh, yes. people. And I remember that, that first habit of be proactive, which is a little bit different than probably what, you know, a lot of people think, but it was about life is, is how you choose it to be, you know, it's not dictated to you. And so the whole concept of stimulus and response, right? Like with Brandt, you know, I I can only imagine, you know, sort of the life and, and, and what Theo has gone through, but you had this stimulus that occurred. And a lot of people say, well, when that happens, there are automatic responses. You're going to behave and act differently. And that wasn't the case in your world. You chose not to allow it to happen. And in this sort of computer metaphor, you decide, I'm the programmer, I decide, I choose, my life is not dictated to me. So, you know, I use the simple example of, of being cut off in traffic, right? If, if we actually, you know, had a predetermined response, everybody would cuss or shoot the finger or road rage or whatever it leads to versus, no, you can totally slow down or put on some soothing music or, you know, w- you know wear a UPS outfit, whatever it is. So <laughs> I, I, I just think, you know, when you think like that, you're empowered to live like that. And so I I think that idea that, that you're talking about Brian, that, that just surviving isn't enough. The goal can't just be survival, you know, and on the flip side where we're, um, you know, Brian, you're talking about, you know, raise your hand and and lean into it and jump into the change and, and be a change evangelist. And, you know, between those two, you can't help but think that there's a lot of positivity that's going to occur.
2: Without question. I think that also, you know, also leads itself into the uh, you had mentioned like the digital empathy side. And for me, I think this is where we sometimes, you know, not only survival mode, but we, we tend, you know, in the in this world full of change and this world full of, you know, I like to say fake news and bad news, unfortunately, at the moment. Um, we, we, we we try to figure out how do we cut through the noise? How do we how do we live in this world or how do we put things out there? And I mentioned earlier, you know, like the Michael uh, Michael Jordan or the Oprah or the Steve Jobs stories. And in those stories, we found out about their failures after their greatest success, right? We, we didn't live those failures as they were happening. And I think the world we're living in today is about sharing that as you're going through the journey. To your point, it's not just about the surviving and having these dates, but it's allowing other people in. Yeah. And, and I firmly believe, and this is kind of my mission, I, think it's, I believe it's my life's work, is this idea that says, you know, I believe to be empathetic for others. We must first allow people to be empathetic for us, mm. which means putting ourselves out there, being vulnerable, sharing the stories like we just heard and, and kind of allowing people to realize that you're not alone. I, I think that you know the, the idea that we could be better humans if we remove technology and innovation is impossible. Those things are not going to be removed from our lives. It's now about, hey, how do we prioritize these things so that we use technology or social media when it makes the most sense, and and that allows us to reach people, but that we can spend more time connecting with people at a deeper level. And and I, I like one of my things is, you know, I believe suicide rates should be going down, not up, right now. And I think part of the reason is because we're still getting into this culture of transparency and realizing that we're all humans. And and I, I, I really, get, I take offense to when someone says you know, they blame social media for. All of the bad that's being exposed at the moment. And I always ask, I always tell people, you know, I think this kind of falls in that mantra. We have two choices. We can blame social media and technology for the things that are wrong or we can recognize that there's bad people in the world there's 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 evil and there's things that we've been doing really bad for a long time there's also been suffering and things that have been happening um, in in silos in in small rooms without people realizing that you know there's more than just themselves suffering and we can we can change ourselves as people and then use these technologies and social media to change the world or we can just continue to blame the things that we don't understand and I, and I like to believe that we're we're moving towards the piece of you know truly understanding how we as humans need to involve, we as humans need to share, and I can tell you, I mean, as much as I, I, the stories and my my experience, when I mentioned one time on stage when I was 32 years old that I had ADHD, um, that the impact of that presentation is still probably one of my most powerful ones I've ever given, as I ended up reaching about eight or nine people in that one audience. That were were ashamed at their diagnosis of, of ADHD and and thought people were making fun of them. And I never realized, and I and I wore it as kind of a, a badge of who I was. And I think the more we hear these stories, the more we feel people are alone, and the more we move from judging people to realizing that people that that we can understand people without having to agree with them. And then we can help people get beyond survival, right? And I think this is that that exciting spot where those that are going through these horrible things or these tough times uh, by sharing that story, you not only real, realize, uh, allow others to realize, you know, you're not alone, but you allow us in to kind of help with that process. And I think that's why you know, I, I love the times that we're living in. And I, and I do believe in this idea that, you know, the more we embrace digital empathy and realize that it is a healthy balance, uh, the more we're going to make the world a better place.
0: Well, I think it plays right into the, the quintessential superhero with great power comes great responsibility. Right. And, and we've been given this great power with social media and what we choose to do with it um, is totally up to us. And if we can use that for good to help, people to express some empathy, uh, some empathy towards others to know that they're not alone so that they can get beyond being a, a survivor. And once they get on that other side, we encourage them enough to raise their hand first so that they're out looking for new ways that they can that live yeah. their lives and grow and experience life. I think it's a it's a win-win all the way around. All the way around. So listen, brother, we, we want to say thank you so much. We know how busy you are, obviously, uh, of squeezing us in for, for a few minutes. How, what's the best way for people to to get in touch with you, to follow you, to make sure that they get the the maximum dose of Brian that they can?
2: Sure. So uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I love the topic. I love uh, the focus of the, of the podcast. You know, and this is part of it, right? I love great people doing great things and sharing their stories. And and you two, uh, you know, to use the pun, you guys are rock stars. And I appreciate mm-hmm. uh, you know having me on. I, I preach you know consistency and being you know in the digital world, it's kind of hard sometimes to be found or discovered. Uh, so the company, uh, my brand is iSocialFans, the letter I. I'm an Apple fanboy. So it's iPhone, iPad, iSocialFans. <laughs> uh, and it's it's fans with a Z at the end, uh, or Zed. Uh, my last name's Fanzo, so I kind of played on that. So iSocialFans.com. I can pretty much guarantee every social network that's out there. Um, I have an account I'm probably pretty active on. It's iSocialFans. And then I, I launched a new speaker website a couple a couple months ago, uh over at brianfanzo.com so it's uh that's cool. speaking to go to isocialfans.com you'll find my podcast my blog all the media i create but uh those are the two places i, I like to tell people i'm on every channel i'm pretty active on every channel you know, you don't have to follow me on all the channels whichever channel is your favorite one i i would love a, a follow there and if you listen to my podcast my only advice is don't listen to it at one and a half speed i sound like mickey mouse because i <laughs> talk so fast but uh <laughs> that's how it works but i appreciate you guys having me on
1: Brant, do you think Fanzo understands the concept of just delivering one awesome thought that rocks? I mean, he he's given us like three, four, five. I, mean, I know nobody, he's doing too much. Well, we'll he's too awesome. If <laughs> we are lucky
0: enough to reach a hundred episodes, my brother, you will be on again, and we will continue uh, the journey. Uh, listen, nothing but the best for you. We we love you. We think that you're amazing, and just any anything that we can do to continue uh, your journey of making the impact in the world that you are, you count us as, as fans of of thank So. Thanks so much, brother. We really appreciate your time.
2: appreciate it, guys. Cheers.
0: You got it. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brandt or me or both of us speak at your event,
1: we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to keplerspeakers.com.
0: Until next time, rock Rock on.
2: Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of Driven Living.